trouble is not my fault all this I also lose my friends, I lost my baby That is fucking crack only today Want to change, he wanted it So the cook, I'm gonna try what I do feel Welcome back, Crack fans. As always, I'm your host, Dalton Thieneman. Uh, pumped to get two interviews for you this week, and I will get to today's guest in just a minute. Uh, but wanted to give you a brief update as to what's going on at Cracked Rackets. I know we've mentioned it before, but we have a new partner, the Jackson Bridge Academy out of Southern California's incredible uh, Los Cabs Sports Village. Uh, Mitch Bridge and Kevin Jackson are creating a special culture out there for elite level players. Uh, especially with collegiate and professional aspirations. So we're excited about this new opportunity, and uh, we'll give you more on some of our content collaborations that are coming soon with them. Um, also, go check out CrackedRackets.com. Parker Thieneman has been keeping you abreast with the breaking news stories in the tennis world, most recently on Spitgate with the incident that happened a few weeks ago at the Ohio State-Texas A&M match in Columbus. Um, we also have our next-gen power rankings from the Committee of One, Alex Leopold, with the sliding scale of top young Americans. Um, Alex Gruskin's got the changeover chat each week to keep you up to date with what's going on in the tennis world. And then we've got a college tennis recap every week as well. I want to quickly plug our Twitter and Instagram. Go follow the pages. The handle is Cracked Rackets. I'm sure that's a big shocker there. Um, and if you haven't already, go subscribe, rate, and review the Great Shot Podcast. Alex Gruskin, Max Rothman, and Max Fliegner have new episodes. Uh, you know, with that banterous back and forth style, you've grown to love every week. So please go check them out. Uh, we also wanted to remind you that we have a brand new docu series uh, style podcast coming called Cross Court Chronicles. First episode will be dropping soon here that will outline Fire and Ice, the Maria Sharapova and Serena Williams rivalry, available on iTunes, the website, and wherever you get your podcast. So that'll give you a you know a good insight into the Sharapova Serena rivalry like you've never seen before. But on this edition of the Cracked Interviews, World Number One Forty Four. And American Rising star Mackie McDonald joins the pod to talk about his breakthrough performance this year at the Australian Open. Meeting Will Ferrell uh, at the airport. It's a pretty funny story. You're going to like that one. Week-long trip to Zurich with the uh, one and only Roger Federer last year. His new sponsor, Power Bar, reminiscing on winning the NCAA singles and doubles titles at UCLA and expectations for 2018 season and beyond. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Mackie was a great guest, uh, a lot of good information, good insight to his breakthrough at, Aust- at the Australian Open. Uh, so for now, enjoy Gruskin and I's conversation with Mackie. First and foremost, uh, Mackie, welcome on the Cracked Interviews pod. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Tonight, we're also joined by my co-host, uh, host of the Great Shot podcast, Alex Bruskin. Nice to meet you. Is it Mackie, Mackenzie? What do you prefer? 
Uh, I go by Mackie. I mean, All right. people that awesome. know me. Yeah. Or the Mac Daddy, whatever, whatever works, right? Yeah, whatever you want to go for. <laughs> a lot of variations. <laughs> um, I'm sure by now, you know, with Taylor, Riley, Tommy, I'm sure they've told you how this is going to go, but uh, we're excited to have you on. It's going to be extremely casual. And typically, uh, you know, with those guys, we progress from junior, college, and then we typically get into the pros. But, you know, with the year you've had, we kind of want to start out with, you know, 2018 in Australia, if that works. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, let's start first and foremost with the uh, Play for Challenger. You and Tommy took the title to start off the year. Yeah, no, that was huge. We uh, had a little bit of stuff going the singles. So, you know, we uh, were all the way out in Australia. We want to have a good time and play some fun dubs. We, I don't know, we just had a good time. We were pretty loose and brought some good energy. And I mean, me and Tommy are good, good friends. We get, get along well. So, we just played some really good doves. We tried to be just really aggressive. So somehow we ended up winning the tournament, which was fun. In a scenario, no, sorry. In a, in a scenario like that, when you're out of the singles, but you're still in the doubles and you have the Australian Open qualifying a couple weeks later, is that something where, you know, you're still getting your practices in before the match and you're kind of just having the doubles matches after the fact? Or are you lasered in that week just on the doubles event? No, we... uh obviously uh got to prepare for aussie open so we were like we were doing our hits together before having practice sessions like singles one day it worked it just worked out we had to do it after but i mean um i mean that's the main priority and then like honestly it's good to still be in dubs just because like i mean i enjoy doubles personally i i like to play doubles i've always been a doubles guy (laughs) but uh i don't know we like uh i mean it's just extra time on the court you can play you know so it's good match play and you and you and Tommy had played before in Knoxville, right at the Knoxville Challenger back in November. Yeah, Knoxville, and uh, yeah, that was it. So it wasn't one of those things where you all hadn't played before. I mean, obviously you all trained together. Um, yeah. But what were the expectations going in with the doubles? Uh, with Playford, I mean, not so. I mean, honestly, we were really just focused on the singles, and we were just like, I mean, we were going to room together and play for, and we were just like, I oh, just play dubs. I mean, we were going to get in. So, I mean, extra matches. And I mean, playing with a singles guy like that is always, you know, good too, just because, like, I mean, we both what our main goal is. And, like, I mean, sometimes it just works out, you know, where we can just have a fun doubles week. But sometimes, you know, if we need to change things around a little bit and just kind of, like, focus on the singles, we can. So, oh, absolutely. And, you know, Obviously, the doubles event's a great start to the year, but then moving on into the Australian Open qualifying, you know, your first match, you beat Noah Rubin, a guy who had won a challenger like two weeks prior. You beat him 6-1, 6-0. You know, you went in straight sets in your second match and then a tough third match. What what was your rhythm like going into that week? Was that, you know, something you had prepared for all off season? What was going through your head at that time? Yeah, I mean, I was disappointed losing that first match in Playford. I mean, I put a lot of work in this offseason. I mean, it was my first official, like, full offseason. I got four weeks in. So, I mean, I was feeling good, I mean, game-wise and prepared physically and everything. And, you know, um, I mean, go. I mean, the main tournament's Australia. So, I mean, I was happy I peaked there a little bit more than the Playford Challenger. But, um, I mean, I was just ready to go. I was ready to bring it. And I just uh, played some good tennis. What were your thoughts when you first saw uh, Noah's name for the first round of qualities? I definitely thought it could be very dangerous. I mean, I've played Noah before. He's obviously a good player. And, I mean, obviously had a sick run and won New Mea. So, 
Um, I definitely thought it could be a dangerous match, but uh, the tennis now, it's just like you got to go in before you go and focus and just do your best. So I, I just went out there and had what I had. And I just want to play aggressive tennis. And I honestly felt like he wasn't playing that aggressive or not going for a lot. I feel like he was just waiting for me to miss. But, I mean, I was feeling my strokes and just taking it right to him. No, I can imagine. And, you know, talking about aggressive play, I have to ask you now about your match with Grigor Dimitrov. Uh, I'll start with just the whole atmosphere. What was it like playing, you know, at night, uh, you know, in Australia, playing a top five seed as someone who had success at the college level, but hasn't maybe been at that stage? What was that like for you? Yeah, that was insane. I mean, honestly, that's really what you dream of when you're a kid. And uh, I mean, I was just pretty honored and happy I got that opportunity. I mean, playing on a big stage like that, not many people get, get that. And I was happy I got to do it my first time playing Australia. So, I mean, the crowd was insane. I mean, night match. Yeah, I mean, top players. So, I mean, you know, the crowd was big. And, um, I, I mean, I definitely got the most out of it, except for winning. But close you were right there, man. Experience. <laughs> yeah. You were right there. So, what was your approach going in? Because, you know, you, you win the first round against Yimmer four sets. You see, you know, Grigor's name in the second round. What was your approach mentally going into that that match? Yeah, um, I mean, for me, I really didn't know if I really could win going out there before the match. You know, I was going to go out there, do my best, take it, you know, point by point, game by game, and see, you know, how well I really could do. I mean, I was uh, playing good, and I played the right way in the first, and some. I mean, I pulled out the set, so at that point after the after the first set i thought i could have a chance i mean he upped his game a little bit i mean yeah it just became like a battle absolutely and you know as part of the great shot podcast which is our other craft rackets podcast and a shameless plug here sorry about that but we talked about an australian open deep dive and in your match against gregor you go to the net 53 times uh, is that something you're consciously aware of you know i'm trying to attack as much as possible put the pressure on him is that always going to be part of your game plan? Yeah, um, I definitely want to go to the net as much as I can. Honestly, in my last couple matches, I wasn't too happy with how much I was coming in. But, I mean, in Australia, with the faster conditions and the lighter balls, it was, it was a, little, a little bit easier compared to, like, New York, where the balls were really heavy, and playing Ernesto, where he's bashing the ball. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I definitely want to finish finish at the net and come in, so... Um, and that was part of my game plan against him. I mean, I definitely tried to just attack the guy's backhand and make him try to pass me off that side, which, I mean, it kind of showed it was falling apart a little bit at times. So This is a stupid question, but, okay, as someone who obviously has never played on your level but whole life in tournaments, you have a mindset of if someone has a one-handed backhand, attack it because it must not be that good. You know, he's not Federer. Is that something <laughs> even against Grigor, you're thinking, well, it's a one-handed backhand. I have to attack. Well, you look at the men's game too. I mean, yeah. Like, well, you, and okay, I'm not you trying the, to, yeah. Sorry to be critical of one-handed backhand players out there. You're there. I'm sure there are plenty better than me, but Gruskin, Gruskin's not a big one-handed guy. <laughs> I already catch that. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> no, but I mean, you look at the men's game. I mean, the serve forehand is the biggest two shots. And I mean, Grigor, all the top guys have that. So, I mean, I, I definitely didn't want to play his forehand. So, I mean, the backhand's <laughs> definitely weaker. Oh, yeah. For sure. At, so, yeah. at one point in the match, did you look around? Maybe it was in a changeover. Um, and you're like, this is a surreal moment. Like, I'm going toe-to-toe with, you know, 
Grigor Dimitrov on the biggest stage. Like, at what point in the match did that hit you? Or did it hit you after, maybe? I tried to really be in the moment and just kind of enjoy the crowd and everything, um, which I was happy about because I could have gone out there and just been a nervous wreck. So, I mean, first set, probably mid-first set, when I you know, got up a break and had a hold, I felt more comfortable then. At that moment, I kind of was like, okay, like, I like looking around a little bit like all right let's get this going try to you know close out this set and see what we can do but um yeah i mean i i looked around a fair bit i mean in the fifth i was you know pretty uppity and getting the crowd going a little bit so i was definitely vibing off them and enjoying the enjoying the scene can i ask how does it compare to you know a college atmosphere ncaa quarterfinals or ncaa singles final in your case what was the, the difference where to arthur ash arena yeah, I mean, oh, fair man. enough. Dude, I played, I played hey. my finals in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think there was max 50 <laughs> people there. And I didn't even play on court one. I played on court three. Every finals, so often, so. I got to throw a softball in the interview to keep you, com- you, know, keep you comfy. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> a little bit different. But, I mean, nah, it's just, I mean, college was a big stepping stone for me. And, yeah, I mean, that crowd was, I mean, awesome for me at the time. But, I mean, this was another level sure i like it <laughs> i do believe that yeah. we do we do eventually want to kind of go back you know to your college days but i have to ask how was meeting will farrell on the way home uh from oh australia <laughs> i have the best story about that because will farrell is my biggest like i mean i'm i'm a huge fan of him i mean i've watched all his movies like going way back to i mean old school and I mean, I was I was actually pretty upset I didn't win that match because I was hoping maybe I can get an interview with him. And and I knew he was in the arena when I was playing my match, but I didn't see him. And after the match, I lost, you know. I mean, he was gone. I mean, I, I was like, I missed my chance to really, you know, meet Will Ferrell and, yeah. you know, have some fun and talk to him. And then, so I'm flying home and I get on the plane. 16 hours later, land in Los Angeles. I get off the plane. I have global entry, so I get right through. And I get to the baggage claim, and he's the first person there, him and his wife, and uh, because they they flew first class. And I get through, and I turn the corner, and he looks at me. He's like, "Mackie," he said my name first, and I was like, "Will." <laughs> and I went up to him. No way. Talking. Yeah, and he knew me, which was the cool. I mean, for me, that was the coolest thing ever. He's like, "Dude," I, or yeah, I mean, he didn't say "dude." He's like, "Man, I watched your match." Like, did you? And he asked me, like, "Did you see me? Did you see where I like I was sitting?" I was like, "No," like I was so like you know, focused on everything and he 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 wasn't uh he didn't crack any jokes or anything, but he was really he was honestly really happy to meet me and he was such a nice guy and I mean, for me though it was a special moment. It's pretty cool to meet him. And I got a picture that, with him and, and then he asked for a picture with me, so <laughs> maybe one day I'll do it. <laughs> That's when you know you made it right there when Will Farrell just like goes out of his way to reach out to you and it's calling yeah. you by name. That's very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so did you all like give any jabs back and forth about the USC UCLA rivalry? Because I know he was rocking some USA or USC gear at the time. Yeah, he was wearing it. Um, we mentioned it uh, in one of our conversations, but it wasn't <laughs> nothing too crazy. No fights um, there. I'm not gonna fight with him. <laughs> no, for sure. Uh, you know, I know the Newport Challenger was right around after Australia, maybe the week after. I'm just curious after you know, qualifying in a run like that. Did you, did you, were you entered in that event and did you pull out of it? Yeah, I was supposed to play that. Um, but my coach, uh, Matt Clover, he, me and him made a decision not to play, which I totally 
I mean, look back on and I really appreciate his input. And like, I mean, I definitely think it was the right decision. And it was a tough decision too, because I mean, there's so many things that were going well. There was a lot of, I mean, noise for me. So, it, I mean, it was a tough decision and I think we made a good one by skipping that. I came to Orlando and I took a week of training. So, Are, are you based out of Orlando now? Is that where you were this off season? Yeah, I just looked at an apartment today, so <laughs> oh, I like it. Here. Yeah. yeah, planting the flag—that's awesome. But so, yeah, you—you you know, you mentioned this rest, and I'm just curious because, given how long the ATP season is, how important is it to build in, you know, little blocks of rest and training blocks? I think I'm learning to do that more. I mean, last year, being my first year on tour and after college tennis, I was like, I got to just play, play, play as much as I can and get back, you know, the traveling, all the experience and the stuff I kind of missed out on because I went to school and three years of college tennis. I try to catch up a little bit and try to just get my ranking as high as I could. And I think that was an okay play for my first year. But now that I'm, you know, into my second year now, I'm, uh, trying to be smarter about my decisions about where to play. I mean, it's a really long year after last year. I was pretty, pretty tired, but um, it's still, you know, growing as a pro tennis player, a young pro tennis player. So I think it's really important now to get good breaks. I mean, a long off season of hard work, got a good result. And then took a week, got another uh, pretty good result and taking this week off and I'll do, you know, three tournaments in a row. So I, th- I think I'm learning how to how to manage my schedule with the help of my team. And I want to get to Dallas eventually, but I want to rewind real quick. Earlier, you mentioned, you know, some of the noise after the Australian Open. Can you talk a little bit about that just to give our audience, you know, some understanding as to maybe sponsors that reached out, people like Crack Rackets, we're, we're bothering you now, you know. Um, yeah. talk, talk about the craziness because, you know, you're a former NCAA singles and doubles champion, you know, wildly known in the college tennis world. You know, you were doing extremely well on the pro circuit. Uh, but then it's a whole nother level when you take Grigor to, you know, the fifth set and all the way, you know, six, eight and the fifth set. What was that noise like when you got back to the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different um, from what I'm used to. I mean, you know, I, I, mean, I do well in college. I mean, coming out in the pros, you know, I mean, with tennis, it's just, you know, you're, you're, you're never done. You know, you can always do better until you can catch Roger Federer, which is nearly impossible. But, I mean, after after winning that, um, or not, not winning that, after losing the group, <laughs> I... Um, so like a win, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I win in some ways. But, I um, yeah, just more messages. And, I mean, I mean, people at the airport knew me. And, I mean... Yeah, just talking to more people. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I've been playing a lot of night matches now, or just more. So, nothing too crazy. I mean, I'm still humble about it all. I mean, I want to keep going, keep building. But uh, yeah, I mean, I got sponsored by Power Bar, which is really nice. Uh, <laughs> Another to the, to the plant protein. Power Bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they love, love that plant protein. No, I love so, it too. It's good stuff. It's, it's really good. I actually really enjoy the product. So, I mean, that's a win-win there. Um, <laughs> you got to plug it then. Yeah. And then um, I got sponsored by RBC coming up. So, yeah. Oh, I like it. No, well, if there's any uh, fun commercial ads, you'll have to send them our way. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. But um, so getting back to Dallas, uh, you know, you talk about another good result. You make the final there. 
And, you know, along the way, you match up with a bunch of young Americans. You play Tiafo, you know, Kudla, Smichek. You know, what is it like playing at the challenger level, seeing so many American men week in, week out, and just playing against these guys? Do you know their games? You know, how are you adjusting for each match? Yeah, um, the challengers are really tough. I mean, there's a ton of good players. All, all of us are trying to, you know, make that next jump and get to the ATPs. Um, I mean, I've played now that I've been playing for a year and a half, it's it's pretty crazy. Like, I've played Tiafo three or four times now. I've played Kuba, like, three times. Michek, like, three times as well. So, I mean, you start getting, you know, familiar with these guys and their tendencies a little bit. And, and each player is extremely tough. So, I mean, you have to be on your game to beat them. So, yeah, I mean, it's challenges are definitely not easy. And how how is that going into those matches when, you know, you've played them three or four times? you've probably trained with them your buddies with them before and after the match is it you know all business going in and then you know you all can grab a drink or you all can go chill at the hotel after the match or what's what's that vibe like before and after? um it's i mean i'm buddies with all the guys i mean i get along with most i mean most every single guy pretty much and I mean, I wouldn't say we get drinks after or anything. But like, I it's the like, middle of a tournament. Like, I don't think it's a time to drink. <laughs> Not fucking after the tournament, all right? Come on. Yeah. There's we'll got to be some drinks Gatorade. mixed in there somewhere. Yeah, we'll just grab a gator and chill. But uh, <laughs> uh, they, Grab a uh, power bar. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Some plant protein. But uh, no, the guys are nice. I mean, Kula's a great guy. It's me. I mean, he's great. I helped him with an EXO right before uh, the Dallas tournament started. <laughs> I mean, Francis, obviously a cool kid, great guy. So, yeah, I mean, all the Americans are really nice and we all get along. But it, I mean, it is pure business. So once you step out on the court, I mean, we're both, we're all fighting for you know, the same, same purpose, same reason. Yeah. I, I just want to piggyback off that question too. And I've asked, you know, a lot of you guys the same thing, but um, with this crop of young Americans and, you know, all the hype around you guys, What's your opinion on the potential of restoring American tennis back to the glory days of like, you know, Sampras, Agassi? And do you think this group has the potential to win a slam here in the next three to five years? Yeah, I think it's really tough to compare to that era. I mean, there were so many good Americans back then. Like, I mean, the draws are stacked with a bunch of Americans. But I mean, now, yeah, we definitely have so many guys coming up and doing well. And I think it's a really exciting time for American tennis. I think there's a lot of potential and something that, you know, Americans can get around and, and support our, our young players and, and our guys that are, you know, breaking through. I mean, th- there is a lot of noise. And uh, I mean, we have, what, 10 guys now in the top 100. We got a couple coming back in. I mean, Ernesto, you know, I mean, there, there's a bunch of guys, or Bjorn, like there's a bunch of guys drifting around there. So. We have the potential to make a lot of noise. And um, as far as Grand Slam champions, um, I mean, obviously a tough feat to uh, conquer. But, I mean, anything's possible. We definitely have a lot of potential. For sure. In terms of your schedule moving forward, you know, with these results, I I believe you're around, you know, 140 in the rankings. Is that going to change what you were planning on doing this year? You know, maybe instead of a challenger, you'll try an ATP qualities or will your schedule stay pretty similar? Um, I had my eyes set on, you know, playing some more ATPs. I mean, I'm playing Acapulco next week and I um, try to play New York and, you know, I'll try to play, I mean, Indian Wells, Miami. I definitely want to get my feet wet and get used to playing at the ATP level because that's even very different than the challengers with, 
with how they treat the players, how nice the facilities are and the tournaments and, and, the, and they just really make it nice for the players. So um, I definitely wanted to try to play more of those. That's the level I want to be at and win at. So how was the New York open, you know, brand new event? what did you think? I thought it was good. I mean, I really haven't played many two fifties, so I can't really compare. Sure. The convenience was unbelievable. I mean, the hotel and the site were touching. Courts were, courts were really slow, really uh, different than anything I've really played on before. But I thought they treated the players really nice. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize the hotel and facility were touching. That's kind of cool. And how was you know? I have to ask since it was recent that match with Ernesto when he hit the jumping forehand. Was that something you noticed? Have you seen that replay since? Uh, yes and yes. He's done that against me in practice. I know he's got that. That guy can crack a forehand if anyone can. Uh, so. It's in his yeah. arsenal. Yeah, that one. That one hurt a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, then I do want to ask you. You know, in the spirit of college tennis, you know, this weekend was also the ITA indoors, and I hope you were following your UCLA Bruins trip to the finals. Were you watching that? Yeah, I just talked to Marty. Redlicky as well. You know, looking back at your time at college, I actually want to ask you about a moment right before you began your freshman year. That's your Cincinnati run, you know, where you beat Mahout and Steve Johnson in qualifying. When yeah. you get a win like that, is that something where maybe you reconsider your college decision or is it right, you know, I'm committed to UCLA, I'm ready to do this? Um, honestly, the, those matches actually did make it kind of tough for me. You know, I really had, I mean, obviously, really good result for me and I was really happy about it but I was really set on going to going to college before and I think that result kind of complicated a little bit more because uh, I definitely had some people that wanted me to go pro and some people that wanted me to go to college and um, I had to really think about my decision I'm very happy with the decision I made. Was it always UCLA? I know you're a California guy but what other schools were you looking at? What was the recruiting process like? Um, honestly really was all UCLA. I mean, I have a long <laughs> history of UCLA, and it was it was really tough for me to go anywhere else. I looked at USC, Virginia called. Um, I was thinking about Stanford, but the team, I didn't really vibe with them as well, and, and they weren't as good. But, I mean, UCLA has a lot to offer. I mean, it's a great school. Academically, tennis-wise, Billy Martin's, like, another dad to me. And the team is awesome. I mean, I've I have so many. I mean, those are all my best friends. So, oh, absolutely. And you know, you had one heck of a college career. You know, you were freshman of the year. You ended up winning an NCAA singles title and an NCAA doubles title. I have to ask some fun questions just about UCLA tennis. Uh, who was your favorite doubles partner? Was it Marcos Giron? Uh, you know, maybe Clay Thompson, or was it Martin Redlicky who you ended up winning the title with? I have to say Marty. Really. <laughs> Yeah, Marty was my favorite. I mean, it's hard its hard not to say Marty when we won everything. I mean, we played together the most out of, out of I mean, Marcos and Clay. And, uh, we played some pro tournaments together. We won a title or two. Yeah, we won a couple titles. <laughs> Is um, it because he's a big lefty and it just makes everything <laughs> easy? Well, you just never know what you're going to get with Marty. When he's on the court, you know, he's hes one second, he's screaming. Like, he's, 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 he's just a character on the court. So we uh we have a lot of fun. I, I have fun being with him. He's got a lot of personality. Does he seem, does he have that same personality off the court, or is that just his demeanor on the court? No, he's he he yeah he's the same way off the court. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> yeah.
who's your favorite practice partner over your town? Ooh, I practice a ton with Joe DiGiulio. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Me and Joe were big practice partners because he, he hits a really good ball and he, he loved the practice session. So we would go at it. We, yeah. we had a similar class schedule together because I would do his classes, <laughs> his, his class schedule. And then, um, yeah, we would, uh, we, we would put our practices, practices together. Oh, for sure. How was it balancing, you know, being a student and having pro aspirations? Is that something you're pr- planning extra practice sessions? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one huge positive about being at UCLA is that, I mean, Carson's right nearby. And I would go train with USTA there. Um, a lot of pros come into UCLA and hit on the courts themselves. So, I mean, there are a ton of guys around for me to hit with and keep keep motivating me and keep me in the direction I wanted to go. So, I mean, that was just a big positive about UCLA. Yeah. Who are the, the pros that came and hit with you? Anyone cool? Yeah, um, I worked with Marty Fish actually for a long, my sophomore <laughs> year when he was coming back, he lives like five minutes from UCLA courts. So he would bike there and I was like his guy. So I would hit with him like three or four times a week for like six months of my sophomore year. And he was mentoring me a little bit. Then he, Helped me get to Carson. We'd go train there. He brought me to the the house in Beverly Hills with the uh, you call it the waterfall court. You've probably seen it <laughs> commercials with the glass wall overlooking. Sure. Um, yeah. 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 And uh, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he he was great. Uh, Sam Corey was around. He was Taylor Fritz when he was just starting. Bjorn came out. Chase Buchanan. I mean. Uh, all, Milos all these guys. Yeah, during, so, during Indian Wells, a bunch of pros came out. Golbis, yeah. So it sounds like Coach Martin was like, you know, clearly he knew that you had pro aspirations, but was completely, you know, open to you going over to Carson, traveling for tournaments and that kind of thing. I mean, that was just understood going in. Yeah, Billy's a very supportive guy. I mean, like I said, we're I've known him since I've I've been like ten, and he's just always been a great guy to me. I really appreciate him. All right. Well, I have to ask, you know, you had an excellent career at UCLA. Uh, what, what were some, tell us about some of your fondest memories. Any dual matches in particular stand out? Yeah. Pac-12 championships in Ojai, my junior year, playing Lacat under the lights and clinching the title, the Pac-12 title for the Bruins. Uh, That's number one. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a big one for me. That was my, yeah, I think that was number one. Yes. I also enjoyed the Andrew Harris match at NCAs. That was my um, next question. What about, yeah, that one or maybe, you know, Stanford the round before, any of those NCAA highlights? How do those compare? Um, the Stanford match was pretty quick before the Oklahoma one. I mean, I won pretty handily. We played them a bunch of times, but the, the Ohio's, um, or sorry, Oklahoma match was uh that was pretty intense even though we lost i mean i i I thought i fought out a good match i mean it was a really tough day and i'm with all the oklahoma fans so that was a that was a good memory beating usc at ucla on my birthday was pretty oh that's always yeah that's gotta be can't beat that yeah yeah i had the crowd singing me happy birthday after i won while the match was (laughs) going so that's awesome what about the um Semifinal, your um, at indoors, your junior year, with with Marty playing the UNC team, Brett Clark and Robert Kelly. Oh, oh, I like that answer. 
<laughs> I'm trying to remember. That was at Charlottesville. We okay. We lost the dual match, right? Yeah, we lost the dual match. Do do me and Marty win dubs? Yeah, we won dubs, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I remember me and Marty were playing pretty good dubs then. That was when I was just coming back from my injury too. So. Absolutely. I have to ask about your run in the singles. Uh, you know, I think one thing that people don't realize when you're following college tennis is they play the dual match tournament and then the singles and doubles back to back. So that how much tennis that is for you guys, you know, two straight weeks. And for someone like you in particular, who was in both the singles and doubles draw, you know, how much did all that tennis wear on your body as you were going through the tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think it was the... Um a blessing in disguise a little bit that we lost in the semi or yeah quarter uh, against Oklahoma just because I had a couple extra days for me to rest for the singles. I think I had two days, two or three days um, for the individual. And then going into the individual, I've, I was pretty well rested. Um, I had what it was, I had 11 matches in six days. I think it was. So I tried to, you know, play my, singles matches and I mean get off the court as as quick as I could especially in the early rounds and I think I did that well I mean I, I was conserving energy pretty well I think I won my first match 2-0 and the second match like 1-3 and I mean I was I was breezing through my first couple of rounds for sure and me and Marty were cleaning up in dubs but once it got to the semis it was taking a little bit of a toll on me I was fine going into the semi-final day but that day was really tough I had my singles match in the morning and I went three sets but the first set outdoor, then went indoor, had a grueling three-setter, was down, I think, 3-0 in the third, came back and won uh, the third set, which was huge for me in the semi. And then I had I went back to the hotel, came back, and played the doubles match that night. It was dark by the time we finished. And I remember Marty was serving for the match. We had broken him in the second. Marty was serving for a 5-4, and he got really tight. I, I remember... <laughs> and, I was, and, I, and he was like don't worry i got this i'm serving it out and he like threw in a double missed the first ball and, and but we had to buckle down and try to win that match too so i mean i was hoping uh we would pull that one out and give me a little bit more energy for the next day but yeah we put a hard tiebreaker and then ended up winning and then yeah i went in the final day just had to give it my all i mean my foot was hurting i remember my foot was hurting a little bit you know there, i had a couple pains and stuff but I mean, you only get that chance once, so kind of take the moment. Well, that's a perfect segue for a fun gimmick I want to do very quickly uh, on the Great Shot Podcast. Again, which you should go check out, subscribe, like, share with your friends. Uh, again, sorry about that, Mackie. But we do a segment that we call Alex's Trivia. Uh, so I want to ask you a trivia question. And, you know, I was born in 1995, so that's the year we're going to go back to. Since 1995, three men, including yourself, have won both the singles and doubles title in the same year. Can you name the other two? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, I put it on you. Do you want a hint or you think so? They're I'll foreigners, give, right? Yeah, so one of them's an American who played at Stanford. He, no. He's a twin. Late 90s. It was, it was Bob Bryan. Oh, uh, he, he did it for Stanford, oh, and then yeah, the other man. one is Matthias Bockinger or Booker. I'm sorry, I met that messed that up uh, for Booker. Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Is he American? Uh, I don't think he is, but I mean, okay. Bob Ryan definitely is. So, uh. yeah, <laughs> I'm glad we got that clarified there. Yeah, I didn't know that one. <laughs> yeah, well, there you. Go. So, elite company. Congratulations. 
<laughs> want to switch gears a little bit. Interested in how long distance relationships work. Obviously, on a tour, <laughs> entails Sorry, quite about a travel. And, uh, blast there. That was uh, <laughs> my bad. Uh, but yeah, how is it? I know uh, you know you and Chanel have been together for a while, but how is that? You know, being apart and traveling nonstop. Yeah, I mean, it's been honestly, it's been pretty good. She's actually with me right now. But uh, well, shout, shout out to her. Shout out yeah, to Chanel. Shout out to C. Van Nguyen. <laughs> No, she's good. Um, I've actually seen her way more than I thought I would uh, since we started playing. Um, I mean, she got to come to Europe with me and hang out at the French Open. And then we went to Zurich when I trained a week with Roger. Um, she came to that. She came to a tournament in England. So those weeks, I mean, uh, I think we're going to be living together in Orlando. I mean, we, yeah, we've been we, we've been hanging out a lot. I've been coming back to Florida now, which has been Nice because she lives in Miami, so I've been flying there and then driving up to Orlando with her. Yeah, I mean, after like my long couple week periods, I get to go back and see her. We try to link up as much as we can. I mean, honestly, on the road, like it's, it's, I'm pretty focused about my tennis and I like to have my time to where I can think about my tennis. So it's not too bad where I can just, you know, get my work done. And I mean, we talk every day, like, multiple multiple times a day so it's all good <laughs> for sure who are you more excited to see when you got off the plane her will ferrell <laughs> uh, she's uh, in the room <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just kidding. We, can, we can leave that you know you don't have to answer <laughs> wait can we rewind real quick you said you were in zurich training with fed uh yeah after the french that was just a, a real casual drop there <laughs> yeah that was uh, i mean what was the connection there you got to keep in mind you're talking to a guy who hit with Marty Fish all the time. <laughs> uh, was, uh, you just compared Marty Fish to Roger Federer, by the way. <laughs> I just let the record show. Uh, no, uh, I hit with Roger in Dubai and then the offseason of 2016 in November, December. And then I I just lost at the French Open. And then he um, or his coach, Severin, messaged me and asked if, um, I wanted to go to Zurich and train on the grass because he skipped the French and then I just lost and the timing worked out. He knew me and um, it just it just worked out. So he invited me out there and I got a good week of grass training before my grass events and and his. For sure. And, and you know, in terms of goals for 2018, you mentioned playing more ATP tournaments. I'm just curious, do you have any ranking specific goals? You know, do you have any events in mind that you're aspiring to play? Um, definitely want to, you know, get to top hundred, but I'm not really pushing for, you know, a time limit or anything. And, you know, I, I definitely think it will happen at some point. I just want to let it flow and just keep playing good tennis. I feel like I'm on a good path right now playing well and just want to keep, uh, keep getting better. Cause I mean, I do want to get to top hundred, but that's not the end goal. So, um, I'll just keep climbing as high as I can and keep getting better as fast as I can. So. Yeah, that's it for like my ranking stuff. But tournament wise, I'm really looking forward to Indian Wells. I think that's a really fun event. Courts are a little slow, which makes it a little bit tougher for me. But you know, I am stronger, better than last year. So hopefully, we'll see what happens there. Um, other than that, I always love going back to Cincinnati with all my good memories there. Um, and then I'm hoping to have a good grass season too. I like the grass, and I think that'll be really fun. And then obviously the clay. I'll, I'm going to try to play some more red clay this year. and um, That should be a challenge, a good challenge for me. 
We will definitely see you at the Western and Southern in Cincinnati because that's right around our neck of the woods. But we're going to move over to a fan favorite at Cracked Rackets, the uh, rapid fire segment. And uh, Gruskin's going to take it away here. All right. Okay. So, again, just so you know, most of these questions will be one or two word answers. So, you know, first thing that comes to your mind, feel free to spit it out. Uh, but okay, and and my hint I like to always give is one of the answers will be smell. Just trust me. Okay. Okay. So we'll start. Favorite tennis player. Roger Federer. Oh, of course. Favorite drink on the court. Gatorade. Ooh. Orange. Favorite meal. Oh, I like orange. Favorite meal off the court. Uh, steak dinner. Wrong. Protein bar. Plant <laughs> protein. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Better tennis district. No Cal, SoCal. No Cal. Favorite video game? Fortnite. Oh. If you were to take away any stroke, which would it be? What do you mean take away? Uh, you know, no longer in the game. You don't use it, your opponent doesn't use it, it's just gone. Throw it in the trash. Oh man. Uh drop shot. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think you have nice touch, so I'd keep the drop shot, but I see, yeah. here. <laughs> Maybe the backhand slice. Yeah, I like it. All right. Uh, favorite city in the world? Uh, San Francisco. The winner of the Pac-12 in tennis will be? UCLA. And last but not least, your favorite thing about a fresh can of tennis balls is? The smell. Yeah, Bingo was his name. Oh, Becky, thanks for taking the time, man. Had a good time tonight. I right, appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Thank you so much for doing this. Take care, man. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Gruskin and I's conversation with Mackie. Return of the Mac, Mac Daddy, Maxter, uh, whatever you call him. He's had an absolute breakthrough year already in 2018, and we're pumped to see how the rest of the season plays out for him. So thanks again for coming on, Mackie. Uh, we really enjoyed it. That was a great time. Also, I have to give a major shout-out to the magician, our producer, and the one and only Daniel Westoff. As always, he makes us sound smart around here and works his magic, so thanks a lot, Westoff, as always. Uh, we have a few major, major time interviews on the horizon. Ty Kwiatowski, our new partner, Jackson Bridge Academy. And we still have Oklahoma commit Mason Byler coming for you. And then a few other exciting in- interviews in the works on the horizon. So stay tuned. Take five seconds to go s- subscribe to the Cracked Interviews podcast after this, as well as the Great Shot podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and go like the Facebook page. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Only five stars. That's all we do around here. So thank you. Appreciate that. We also are now on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, the TuneIn app, and wherever you get your podcasts. So check us out there. And I know most of you are doing this already. We've talked about this before. But please continue to tell your friends and family about us, especially those tennis heads looking for all things tennis and more tennis coverage. But you know the deal. But for one, Alex Gruskin, Daniel Westoff, I'm Dalton Thieneman. And we will see you next week, crack fans. The final thing is that now I'm not afraid of anything Go take on a kill, anyone I feel so powerful They chip at you, I read your skin up, everything is confusing You will be good, but you will be more You will be good, but you will be more You will be good, but you will be more Alone every day, it is a praise of pleasure